Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. On ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com. Thursday edition of the Great Scott Show. Thursdays mean Norman Locke in studio with me for the next two hours. Yes. A lot to get into. Some NFL rule changes, some quarterbacks over the last decade and a half that were not drafted in the top 40 and how they fared. Mm. Mm. Some things to watch in tonight's spring game. Speaking of tonight's Vermilion and White spring game over at Cajun Field, head football coach for Louisiana's Raging Cajuns, who finished 15th in the country in the final polls, Billy Napier is set to join us at the bottom of the hour. He'll be on at 7.30. We'll ask him, um, you know, about Norm claiming he could have walked onto the team had he wanted to at any point in time. 1,500 yards. <laughs> 1,500 yards, Billy. Be prepared. You got a truck waiting on you. 1,500 yards of what? See, that's that's the that's the real question you got to ask. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the meat and potatoes right there. There's just there's some there's some kind it's it's some kind of trick statement, some kind of riddle. I just haven't figured it out yet. Or Me maybe either. it's just Norm. Just you know, I got 1,500 yards. Might be smoke. punt. Punt yards, might be punt return yards. A lot of punts, man. Might be a lot, air yards. It's a lot of punts. 1,500 yards. You slice it up how you want. When was the last time you punted a football? Um, never. never. <laughs> I can't remember. Got to be over 15 years. Easily. I'll try to punt it sometimes when I'm just, you know, tossing the ball around with the kids, but there's no telling where it's going. No. no. Sometimes it'll be like, Whoa, like, how did I do that? It just went all the way down the street. And another time, it's just, like, off the side of my ankle and, like, in my face. Like, and that's well. <laughs> that's what Marquette King, uh, former punter of the Raiders, was saying. Like, punting isn't about how hard or far. It's about being consistent. That's Can it. you consistently hit the ball in the same spot? No, I can't. You have to, like, the amount of reps a really good punter has to go through, like, all the time. I, I imagine, like, the best punters in the world – that's something you should you should ask him next time you talk to him. I'll ask Thomas Morstead, how many times do you think in your life you've punted a football? I mean, it could be in the hundreds, hundreds of thousands. thousands. Yeah, it has to be. For somebody that's like done it for a living and just works on it all the time. Has to be. Because that that's a, that's a hard skill. That and long snapping. I I got I got mad respect to long snappers out there cuz that's not easy. And to sit there and be a long snap in the league for like 10, 15 years, that's a special skill you got to acquire. Tell you what, man, one bad day at the office and everybody knows <laughs> your name. <laughs> that's, I mean, it's no joke. It's tough, man. It's tough. It's like, um, you know, was it was it Paul Boudreaux last year for the Cajuns who had that rough, yeah. that rough game on the road? Now, they ended up winning, thank goodness, but it was that cold game on the road. They got the win, and it was just like, man, it's like this – 
you, you felt for the kid, and, and some of it was the conditions and everything else. But I'll just, I remember, uh, and and outside of that game, he like he's been like never, yeah, he's been like spot on. It's just been like awesome. It was that one, that one, that one game that, like you said, conditions. The conditions were really, really bad. But but that's part of the deal, you know. Yes, it it's is part, it's of, part of the job. You got. And and I remember afterwards. And look, Paul's still a long snapper. He did a great job the rest of the season. And I imagine tonight, when the first the first time they punt, guess who's going to be snapping the ball? Correct, correct. Um, you know, I love that Coach Napier. After that, what you want in a coach is someone that you know invests in the player, and he knew. Afterwards, when he got on the Zoom call with all of us, like they're going to be asking about him. Yeah, oh, he's coming. He's they're going to be asking about him, and he was defending him nonstop. He kept, he did his best to just continue to sort of deflect the conversation away from that. Still answer the questions. Didn't say he didn't do anything wrong, you know. But um, at the same time, wasn't going to just hang him out to dry. I mean, he, uh, you want a coach that's going to be there for your guys, you right. know, not just in practice, but even but when things go wrong, you know, a coach that can kind of take the heat when things go bad and then try to deflect the praise when things go right. I mean, that's what a player wants, right? Yeah, no, 100%. You you want your coach to handle you and anything that went wrong in private. Uh, don't don't air me out in the media. All right, so Coach Napier is going to be joining us uh, later today at 7.30. Uh, tonight, 7 o'clock for Million and White Spring Game. Norm, the um, – I picked a team. I'm rolling, with, I'm rolling with the white. <laughs> okay. I'm who's, with the white. who's starting for the white? Uh, it's the first team defense. All right. Now, the difference maker is the wide receiver core. I don't know how he was able to get the first team wide receivers with the first team defense, but I just feel like that combination is going to be a, a, a success. Probably because... There are so many. You know, I wrote about this yesterday on the website, the three things to watch for in the spring game for me. One of the three is wide receiver because you've got 19 listed on the roster. Yes, you do. And more than half of them have real experience in Mm -hmm. the system, not just, oh, some garbage time, like meaningful snaps. Kyron Lacy. um, Kyron Kyron Lacy might have the highest ceiling. Oh, no, that kid's nice. Uh, I talk to Kyron a lot. Ty- Kyron is nice. He knows he's nice. He shouldn't – that re- that recruit shouldn't have came to UL. Like, he, he could have went to a bigger school. So, it's like we got a, we got a big fish. And like you said, his ceiling is very, very, very high. Kyron Lacey. You know, Peter LeBlanc, you've seen what he can do in mm-hmm. big moments. Errol Rogers Jr., Dante Fleming, Dante Fleming. Little slim. Then you got, you know, experienced guys like a Jalen Williams or mm-hmm. Khalif Gossett or – you know, we could go on and on. There's, I mean, again, more than half of these guys have real meaningful minutes. And now, you know, tonight, who's out there with the first team? Who's out there with the second team? I think the battle on the receiver depth chart, because last year you had a lot of inexperience. Mm-hmm. Jamarcus Bradley was gone. Um, Jamal Bell, there's another guy with experience. He got hurt. Gossett got hurt before. The, suddenly you've got to play all these young guys. They'll throw Devin Polly in the mix, and it was just, what are they going to do? You come into this year, they, they've they all played before, so they're going to want a bigger slice of that pie. And um, who's out there tonight with the first team, with the second team? That, to me, is uh, is is something to look into, read into. And who does the most with their snaps, you know? That's the biggest thing that I, I want to see because I, I've talked to some of the players, and they've gave me some whispers of some players to look out for and has had a great, a great camp. Uh, thus far, so I'm I'm excited again. 
I'm pulling for the white team. I'm pulling for the white team. Dante Fleming would be upset with me if I and and Kyron Lacey if I didn't pull for him. I'm just pulling for just no injuries, please. Oh no, facts, no facts, facts, I mean, facts. That, but I told the number them, one thing on the list, right? They know whoever loses, I'm putting them in that pack. I'm talking coming on Friday. I'm gonna have the haircut. I'm going live. I'm going. I'm going at them. They they know. It really is crazy how many you got. Golden Ek who had some time last year, the track star. You got Cassius Allen. John Stevens Jr. is a transfer from TCU. Yeah. I mean, he's a junior, but he's got good experience, man. Um, there are guys I haven't even mentioned yet. It's uh, it's deep. It's really, really deep at that position. I, I can't wait to see the running backs. I can't – like I said, it's a lot to watch uh, in this Vermillion and White game. And from the guys, they've been joining at each other. They've been – yesterday they had practice and the red team went – Practice for the red team plays, and a white team went practice for the white team. And hey, I'm sorry. Oh no, it's the Vermilion. Vermilion. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> terribly sorry. The Vermilion team, and from what I've been told, the Vermilion team have been talking a lot of trash. If you went somewhere outside of this area, like what colors Vermilion? Somebody be like, what? <laughs> what you say? Huh? Vermilion. But you know, I, I bet you at other schools they have like, you know. A, a name for a specific color and, and how oh, yeah. it looks, and we would just be like, "Oh, that's orange!" Like, that's not orange. What are you talking about? I, I mean, forget what the with the there's a there's an orange. There's a special orange that had me joke that the name was, but like you said, is is uh, I don't know, man. Find it. I don't know, and I know Tennessee doesn't call it, you know. Creamsicle orange, either. <laughs> Why would they call it that? Well, I mean, that's what others refer to it as, right? Like when you look at like the old Bucks unis, it's like, oh, those are the old, those are the old, uh, you've got like burnt orange, you have neon orange, you have peach, you have apricot, you have carrot orange, you have khaki orange, you've got, there's one called papaya whip. Now, what in the. <laughs> I don't know. Look at this. Let me try to get us back on track. Ten minutes after the hour, Scott Braith and Norman Locke. NFL owners passed some new rules yesterday, Norm. The one that got the most headlines. One that folks are excited about. The numbers. Yes, sir. Now, we expected this, so it didn't come as a surprise. But I just, I don't I don't like it. I know you, yeah, you were saying you didn't like it. I don't um, like it. I mean, they kept the linemen from getting single digits. So I think that was the biggest worry from everyone is offensive linemen getting double zero or, or, or number seven. I, yeah, I didn't think I didn't think they were going to allow that just because of tackle eligible rules. Like I didn't I didn't think that. Oh, but I I don't like the idea of a linebacker being like number three. No, I do because he oh, he has to be good. Scott. If Ray Lewis was like number one, would that? If LT were number five, like there's something about you have to be good to get 50s. the swag numbers. It come from it come from Biddy Ball, Scott. When you in when you in Biddy Ball, the single digit numbers same thing in are high reserved. School, I know, but I for the good kids, you I can't like, get number twenty one on a basketball team. Well, you and you're can, five four. You can't get number twenty one. You can get a goal, they'll take it away. <laughs> you can't, they'll take it away. You cannot get the jerseys you want. Until you deserve it, just like how LSU has the tradition of, of the number seven. You can't just but get then, But see, that leads to more players just, like, changing their numbers. Like, well, I have been this number, and now I'm going to do this. And I don't like when players do that either. I don't think a lot. I, I didn't like when Mark Ingram went from 28 to 22. It's I just, don't think a lot of players are going to change their number. I think it's more so the incoming influx of players 
are going to change the number, but the players that we know that are in grind and isn't changing it. In uh, but but on top of that, like you said, the new players, well, if they come in and they're not good, well, what do you do with that single? They digit? change they change their numbers all the time. Most rookies, like uh, can't what was this? So they are, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like like I do. I I'm not I'm not I'm with you. I don't think that Alvin Kamara is going to you know get rid of no. 41. No. But I think moving forward, you're going to see a lot of players come into the league and then, you know, year to year, maybe you have some different numbers. And I don't like it. I like it, I like it old man. I don't like it. <laughs> you know what? That, that might the, be a fair that's statement. The, that's the, that's the, that might just, be a fair statement. But I, anybody one year older, yeah, yeah, old man. You know, there's something. <laughs> I didn't mind when, when more receivers were in the teens. Like, that's, that's, that's okay. I get it. But. I, I want, want the good want, number you, you one want, on my team, Scott. I don't Scott. want a tight end wearing number eight. I don't want my I don't want my quarterback wearing a fire number. He's poo. You want you want George Kittle running around with like number four. George Kittle's not a number four player. You know who you know who needs like he a could number. Be. He could be. He's not under these no, rules. Under these, listen, Kyle Pitts is a number five and under. He's a number eight and under single digit guy. It's gonna look weird. Kyle Pitts. Telling you. Come to, come to Cowboys. Put that number one on your back, Kyle. <laughs> number one on your back. That star on your helmet. Speaking of the Cowboys. Super. You look at, <laughs> <laughs> you look at the Dallas Cowboys and um, what, what Dak Prescott has done. Over the last 15 years, eight quarterbacks that were not selected in the top 40. Eight. Eight have won more than eight games for the team that drafted them. Or, I'm sorry, that, well, either drafted or signed as a UDFA. It's probably like Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, and Dak well, Prescott. Brady was, he you got to go way back. I mean, this is. Oh, yeah, you're right. What year did you say? This is 99, uh, the last 15 years. 15. So, like, Brady and, and your boy Romo aren't, they're not part of this group because that was prior to that. Russell so Wilson is one. Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott is two. Wilson's won 98 games. Prescott's won 42. I think who else was a late pick that and Now, day? again, this is for the teams that chose them. Right. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else was a late rounder that was pretty Out good. of the top 40. So this could be not late. I mean, you could be. I'm saying late first round, round, second round. Mid second yeah, round and um, beyond. So you got Kirk Cousins. Kirk was third rounder. He won 26 in Washington. You have Nick Foles who won 21 in Philly. But that's that true. That's over the course of. Four or five years. Two, but no, two stints. Two, two stints, correct. <laughs> Trent Edwards. Wow. Buffalo. Buffalo. Shad Hinney. Now, this isn't a lot. I mean, Edwards won 14. Hinney won 13. Trevor Simeon won 13 games. Went to the Pro Bowl. Travaris Jackson, rest in peace, won 10. Yeah. I think, in, in Mike Triplett wrote about this, uh, ESPN NFL Nation reporter. I think with that... I guess highlights to me, Norm, is why are teams so gung ho now about risking risk risk it for the biscuit, if you will? Why are they gonna risk it for the biscuit at quarterback in the first round consistently? Why are they reaching sometimes? I think it's like Cause in the, the the idea of striking gold with a player in later rounds when it comes to quarterback is extremely rare. Because I mean, if we if we look at the last ten Super Bowl winners, one one or both of the quarterbacks in the Super Bowl was a top ten quarterback that year. 
So with that being said, if you don't have a top 10 quarterback, you're not making it to the Super Bowl. And another little small caveat that I've seen in the last uh, 10 Super Bowls, you didn't have a top 10 tight end on one or either team. You're not making it to the Super Bowl. Well, Kansas City had probably the best tight end in the league going up against the team that had the second best tight end. That's what I'm saying. If you those are the two positions. If you don't, I thought you were saying. I was like, wait a minute. No, if you don't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the one exception obviously would be Nick Foles, um, but he's the exception to a lot of these discussions. Correct. And just Nick because Foles. there's one exception doesn't doesn't prove that. No. This is the route. I mean, it's it's about trends. And I think the idea of, you know, folks tease the Saints a lot about the the disaster that was Garrett Grayson, who they took in the third round, and the guy, you know, couldn't stay in the league at all. And everyone tried to, to come up with different reasons why. Oh, well, he was, you know, Drew Brees just dominated him and made him feel <laughs> dumb or this or that. or the, Really, guys, at the end of the day, maybe it was just because he wasn't that good. No. You know? Like QBs, Case Keenum stayed around. If you're taking, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jabriz ain't do nothing. Wasn't, to him. wasn't <laughs> Jabriz taught him how to get well, that Keenum, bag? Well, Ke- Keenum never played in, in New Orleans, though. Played a game? No, he was never in New Orleans, was he? Ever? Case Keenum? Case Keenum? I don't think so. Who's the a uh, Chase Daniels? I'm, oh, I'm Chase Daniels. Yeah, yeah. Chase, Chase Daniels. Daniel. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't win any games with the Saints, though. <laughs> no, no, no. Drew Brees taught him how to get that bag. That's right. That's right. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. Um, I just I feel like if you're gonna risk it for the biscuit at quarterback, you're gonna go with it early. Of the quarterbacks of the of the four that are expected to be taken in the first round, and there's some people that think Davis Mills will slip in late. Who? Yeah, yeah they just yeah. throwing anybody in these mocks now. Quarterback, you know. Andrew Clay, my friend over KTC, is like, eh, maybe the Saints take him at twenty eight. No, no. Um, <laughs> but of the of the of the of the five that you're that we're expecting to see go in the first round, I mean, the if you had to pick one to bust, it's got to be Wilson, right? Or are you going somewhere else? I'm going somewhere else. Uh, so I was talking about this yesterday. So. I think, and and on Friday with Emory, I wouldn't necessarily want to pick one single player to bust. I think it's going to be dependent upon their situation. And I think the most, the team with the highest bust rate is the 49ers. I feel like with Trevor Lawrence, his leash is going to be longer because he's going to a bad Jags team. There's a new head coach. It's a completely new regime. So the leash is going to be longer on him being good or bad. We talk about the Jets and Zach Wilson. We just saw Sam Donner get another breath of life because everyone's blaming the Jets organization for being dysfunctional and bad and not Sam Darnold. So so Zach Wilson could be bad reasons and still get another chance when leaving the Jets. But you see the 49ers at that third spot. They already have been to the Super Bowl. They need instant success. They have a quarterback that's able and willing to play. If they draft a, a Mac Jones, a Trey, a Trey Lance, or a Justin Fields, and one of those three quarterbacks doesn't turn out or pan out well for them, for them trading up to that spot and having a Jimmy Garoppolo, that quarterback has the most pressure going forward because he has the shortest lease because they gave up the most for them. So if that quarterback doesn't have either instant success or looks the part, they're going to be the highest chance to bust. And it could be 
one of the three. It could be, I just think it's the situation. And let's say the four quarterback that gets taken goes to a situation with a Atlanta or a Patriots or a Saints where they're able to sit for a year or two. The pressure's not that high, and the bus rate isn't that high. I think it's whoever falls to the 49ers at that third seed is going to have the most pressure. I, uh, I still got, I mean, I still got to go with Wilson because I think, I think you make good points about where pressure is there, but there's a good chance that this guy gets to sit for a year too. I don't, I don't know. My, I mean, it's a. I think in New Who's York, who's the quarterback of the, of the Jimmy Jets right now? of the Jets? You said you said Wilson. Uh, I think Wilson's gonna have to play right away. Right, but you, you, Wilson's. You think so? You, you. Were, um, I think Wilson's. I think he's gonna be the one likely to bust because Robert Sala is is a rookie head coach and like. Look at the coaches in that division. Now this, might, this but this is the question: Is he? Uh, do you write off Sam Darnold as a bust? I don't think Sam Darnold's going to be very good. But is he a bust yet? Right now, he is. Okay, so and that's that's four seasons with one season to Carolina to prove it. Zach's going to get the same four plus one. But but who's most likely to bust? I I would roll with Zach Wilson. Now maybe Darnold ends up doing well, and we're all I, like, I just. Hey. But I just look at the coaches in that division. Belichick. See, but we going to coaches, not players. But, but, this, but you said it's all about situation, right? Right. So, so that's that's why I'm bringing it up. I'm more so with Kyle Shanahan's a great. Everybody talks about how great he is with quarterbacks. You got a rookie coach from the Jets in a division with Flores, Belichick, and McDermott, who are all like defensive yeah no. beasts. But look at the and, NFC oh, West and, and look at the ownership. Ownership and management in San Francisco is a lot better than it is. Okay, the Jets so, probably have the worst in the league. So when you say when I agree with you when your point you said it's about situation, and I think the Jets probably have the worst situation in the NFL in terms of trying to develop talent, especially at that position. Adam Gase is gone, so maybe see that's we what, talking, maybe that's we're what talking doing. organization, but that's still so. If Zach Wilson went to the Forty ers would he? Would you still say he was the most likely to bust? Probably, a, probably not. So it's not dependent on the so you're so it's it's the so think, you just I think, think the Jets think, whoever think, the Jets I think, take. I think Zach Wilson could be okay, but but it's so it's a combination. I put a lot of weight in the situation. I don't okay. put all of it there. Okay. So I I might lean with Wilson. Like if Trevor Lawrence was going to the Jets, I wouldn't say oh he'll be the biggest bust. So okay. I but like what you hear about Wilson is. You know he's he's got great athletic ability, but he makes some awful mental mistakes consistently. When he gets under pressure, he struggles. The Jets have like the worst O line in the NFL, so it's Sandone. like yeah, it's, you can see it's, that it's all of these things combined. Where I'm like, yeah, I just think that's the most likely. You get your confidence shot. Now, to your point, he could go and stink and get another opportunity. That's just why I'm people not, would just blame the Jets, but. You know, David Carr got extra opportunities, and it didn't. I mean, he was just he was shot. And I feel like that about Sam Donald. I feel like I mean, the, the the Panthers went all in. They they let Teddy Bridgewater facilitate or find a trade that has played it right now. It's probably won't until right before the season. But uh, I'm just more volatile. Like you said, with the Jets situation, I feel like no matter how bad Zach Wilson's going to be. They're going to give up three to four years and then write it off on the coach being bad. Just because I've seen the same tune get sung with Sam Darnold. So with the 49ers, I feel like if you take Mac Jones and Justin Fields or Trevor Lance, or Trey Lance, and none of them beat out Jimmy Garoppolo in camp, 
In year one, they're they probably they might just. I mean, you just they, sit them. They sat Mahomes for a year in Kansas City. They sit in Jordan Love. They sit in. Yeah. They, they, that, but that was just dumb to pack Love. I mean, I'm who just, knows I'm how just, long Love's I'm just stay. saying, if if the rookie quarterback that you draft in the top five doesn't beat out your quarterback, and he sits, you go. You now you now you playing a, a long term game. Yeah, yeah. Now Jim McGrath. That mean in a in for the NFC West, the 49ers who are three years removed from a Super Bowl. Two. Two two years removed from a Super Bowl, they're here to compete. We see the 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 Cardinals go in and come bring in outside talent to compete. This is the toughest division in football, and you're going to draft. You're trading up to draft a quarterback. That's I, I'm going with whoever is going to be that person that the 49ers pick. Because if it's Trey Lance, then you got to sit for two years, and then once you come back be, for them two years, yeah. that pressure going to be immense because they they traded a pressure lot. Pressure will be high, but I feel like the surroundings. They'll be they'll be set up in a better position to succeed. They'll have more, they'll have more weapon. Like you know, and that's why if it doesn't work, it's like it's like it's, you're it's playing bigger... you're playing Mario Brothers. Okay, you get you get six lives, but uh, this guy in New York, he's always just playing with two. Good luck. Yeah, but but that's why I feel like the bus the bus likelihood is higher with the 49ers just because if if Justin Fields gets there and it's year two, it's year three, he has all these weapons and the 49ers are a good team with Jimmy Garoppolo this season and he doesn't do well, people are going to look worse upon him than Zach Wilson because they're going to say he doesn't have any weapons. Don't go anywhere. Louisiana's Raging Cajuns, Billy Napier, joins us next at TSPN 1420. ESPN1420.com and the ESPN1420 app. As promised, joining us now, the head football coach of Louisiana's Ragin' Cajuns, getting ready for the uh, annual Vermilion and White spring game tonight at Cajun Field. Admission is free, limited capacity, but um, come on out, check out the Cajuns. I know they've been working hard in the spring. They're ready to get after it. Head coach Billy Napier joins us now. Good morning, Billy. How are you? I'm doing great, Scott. How about you, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, how is the team doing health-wise? I know going into every spring, you have a list of goals with each phase, but also know throughout each phase, you know, one of those goals that's almost unwritten, but it's understood is staying healthy. Yeah, no, I think we're definitely trending in the right direction there. You know, I think, you know, I had several – you know, a handful of off-season surgeries, you know, a few things throughout the off-season. I think we've gotten progressively better. Uh, certainly benefited uh, from the new hire of Tony Hill, who's the head athletic trainer for football. He's done a terrific job from a leadership standpoint downstairs. And uh, I think our team's benefited from that. We've gotten better. Um, and, 
you know, obviously tonight's a great way to cap this thing off. You know, these guys have been working hard here really for about three months or so, uh, three and a half months. And, um, you know, it's going to be a heck of a night, you know, really the first opportunity uh, for our fans, for the students, for the university community, the parents, a lot of these players to see this team uh, and really a chance for us to kind of start working on the identity of this team. You know, I always say it's it's a way for the fan base to kind of wet their beaks a little bit and get a small glimpse of what you guys have been working on before the season rolls around in the fall. Um, and phases, you have different phases throughout the yearly calendar. Why, why is the identity phase, in your mind, the most difficult and one of the most important? And I'll just ask the follow-up now. For our listeners, just explain to them exactly when that phase takes place. You know, typically we we start uh, January uh, with what we would call our foundation phase, right? You know, back to the basics. Uh, we assume nothing. Typically, would have about twenty five percent of attrition. You know, at the player level, you're really starting over, right? A new group of leaders, a new group of seniors, typically a new group of rookies that just showed up. So. And you always have attrition at the organizational level, whether that's the coaches, uh, the second tier of people uh, that work with the coaches, the support staff. um, And certainly we've had our fair share of that this year. But identity is kind of a little bit after National Signing Day, right? Probably mid-February. The players have been working with the strength conditioning staff only for the first month or so. And and then – all of a sudden, four days a week in the afternoon, you know, we're working with the coaches and the strength staff together, the entire organization at one time. Um, you know, so the intensity and urgency kind of goes up. Uh, and we want to challenge the self-discipline of the players, right? The workload uh, needs to be right, you know, at that right level where if a guy's, you know, doesn't eat, sleep, hydrate, you know, he doesn't have the right mental disposition, uh, he's going to get exposed, right? And uh, I think that's, you know, the first two weeks of that program, you know, that's the objective, right? To develop some mental toughness, to really develop some self-discipline, to buy into the value of having a routine. Uh, and certainly I thought we executed it this year as well as we've done since we've been here. So, um, you know, we're getting better. And uh, certainly about halfway through this thing, you know, as I see it, and I'm really pleased with the new staff and certainly some of the new players that we've added as well. You mentioned some of the new players, Coach Billy Napier, our guest. What newcomer in your mind, whether it be a natural freshman or or a transfer, um, what newcomer has assimilated himself most quickly? Well, I think there's a lot of them. You know, we had more mid-year players than we've ever had before. We had 11 guys uh, that joined our team um, some high school players, but also some uh, transfer players. So, you know, I don't know that I want to comment on one specific individual, but I think as a group, there's no question that several of those guys are going to be in position to contribute to our team this year, you know, which I think is what you want, right? When you go take a transfer player, uh, whether it's from another four year institution or as a junior college player, all of these happen to be. Uh, four-year institution transfers and you know we've been pleased with those guys certainly kind of orientating them to how we do things here they picked it up well 
and uh, you know tonight you'll get a chance to see a lot of those guys. So I think um, you know it's a little too early to make specific comments about those individuals, but I think as a group they're going to make our team better. Speaking of as a group, um, you're solidified at your starting quarterback spot, and when spring practices began, you told us that you know the competition behind that was open. You felt like Chandler Fields was the leader in the clubhouse based on you know, his history and, and being in the program for a little while, but got a lot of newcomers there, whether it be, you know, Ben Walrich or, or Lance Lejeune or Zy McDonald, Hunter Aaron. Where, who, who are you expecting to get the, I guess, the, the snaps uh, with the first or second team after Levi Lewis tonight? Well, tonight, you know, you'll get a chance to see. Uh, we'll play ones versus ones and twos versus twos. Um, you know, we're divided the teams up you know, Vermillion and White. But, um, you know, Chandler Fields and Ben Wooldridge will take the majority of the snaps when the second offense tonight. Um, so you get a chance to kind of see those guys. They're certainly – it's very competitive there, you know, and uh, has been throughout the spring. Both of those guys have done a lot of things well. And then there's certain areas where they need to continue to grow and develop. Um, you know, and that's kind of what – where we're at, what we're observing, and you know we're a long way from playing, uh, and I do think that that may be a competition that's week to week as we get into the season. But in general, uh, it's very competitive. I think even behind that group, right, with uh, Hunter Herring, Zion McDonald, uh, Lance Lejeune, um, Luke Bogan, those four guys have had good springs as well, and, and they'll all get an opportunity to play uh, briefly tonight as well. ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, 1420 app. Billy Napier, head coach of Louisiana, is our guest right now. The Vermillion and White spring game tonight, 7 p.m., Cajun Field. Uh, admission is free. Um, all game day protocols from the 2020 season will be enforced. Parking uh, is free as well, and um, it's a good chance to come out, support a team that finished number 15 in the country last season but still have – bigger goals ahead of them. Um, Billy, I remember being at your first spring game three years ago uh, on a Saturday, and there were some nice moments there afterwards, and, and you guys awarded some uh, walk-on, some scholarships, and I, it was the beginning of it, – it wasn't the very beginning of a new era, but it, it was kind of the first chance fans and you know supporters of the program got to see you and your team – Three years later now, and I know you didn't have a spring game last year, but three years later, how how different in your mind is this program from where it started at, and how have you evolved as a head coach in that time? What's the biggest difference in your mind about your style now compared to three years ago today? First thing would be we've been very fortunate to hire really good people here. You know, I think we've had. Uh, we've been very thorough. You know, we did a lot of homework. We we originally started with a a great group, and I think each year we've had some attrition. We've been able, you know, the leadership that we have at universities allowed us to have uh, resources to go get talent. Right? I think as a leader, you're only as good as the people that you put around yourself, and certainly that's the case. You know, I think um, what we've done here is I think we had a good. Uh, idea of how we wanted to run our organization. Um, we went to work on establishing those systems and those processes, and 
You know, what I would say is that we've continued to learn and grow, adjust. You know, we adapt, evolve uh, a little bit each year, right? I think when you do something over and over, uh, it allows you an opportunity to eliminate some of the mistakes you've made in the past, uh, but also, you know, slight tweaks or changes here or there. You know, I think that's probably been uh, the culture here has been, okay, let's go improve, right? I heard a guy say this past weekend at church that, you know, maintenance is a You know, you're either getting better or getting worse. You're going forwards or going backwards. And I think that's the approach that we've taken. And, um, you know, we're, we're still doing that. You know, but I do think we've refined how we do things. You know, I think we've gotten even better at the details within each phase, within each stage. Um, and certainly a lot closer relationships having worked with some of these staff members for a couple of years now and certainly uh, the players um, the same way. So I think we're more familiar with our people and I think the expectations are pretty clearly defined uh, and that's how it improves. You know, I think we've gotten better. We've refined our systems and how we do things and you know, I think we need to continue to evaluate things that way and try to continue to keep improving. Rage Cajun head football coach Billy Napier, our guest, ESPN fourteen twenty. It's the Great Scott Show. You've got, uh, by my estimation, coach nineteen wide receivers um, listed on the roster. A lot of experience because a lot of guys ended up playing last year for various reasons, um, and you saw a lot of growth at that position last year. I, I don't know that you saw someone sort of step into that Jamarcus Bradley role as is maybe the clear cut number one, and whether that be to injuries or gaining experience, but. You got a lot of guys I know that are fighting for spots at the top of that depth chart. Um, is this position in your mind? Is it one of the deeper ones on the roster, or is it is it a different unit um, where you've got to just you know let the cream rise to the top, if you will? No, I do think um, this year this will be an experienced group, right? I think a lot of these, a lot of the rookies last year had to play. Um, and I do think the newcomer, John Stevens, that we have there is a veteran player, right? He's going to be a true junior this year uh, and have a couple years to play. So I think we've got a lot of players that have played in games. You know, I think the, it is going to be very competitive. Um, we typically play six guys in every game. And, you know, who are those six guys going to be, you know, as we approach the summer training camp, the opener, uh, there's no doubt this is going to be a very competitive uh, situation. So I think we've got some talent there, uh, and certainly it's going to be about developing that chemistry over the summer. You know, a lot of work can be done from a throwing and catching standpoint um, in the summertime. So we need to continue to improve here. You know, and I think that we've got some young talent, and I think we've got to get on the same page and continue to uh, work well together. Uh, but this is a competitive group. You know, you'll get to see a lot of these guys tonight. But um been impressed with how these rookies have uh, really refined their game throughout the offseason here. Um, and I think that's a good thing for the Cajuns because Levi Lewis, early in the season last year, was struggling to maybe have some guys that he was familiar with. And I think we're, we're going to start the year here this year with a lot of guys that have played a lot of ball. Well, um, in honor of my friend Dave Schultz, I guess I have to ask an obligatory question about the tight end position, Coach. So, um, uh, you know, getting a chance to to visit with Johnny Lumpkin a few times um, over the years, 
uh, as a redshirt junior now. Neil Johnson's got experience. You know, there's a number of guys on this roster at that position that have experience. So rather than just ask you about players or, you know, who's looking good, I want to ask you this. It's in, in talking to the fan base, they ask about the position a lot. What do you think the most misunderstood thing is about that position from a fan that is watching on game day? Why don't they throw to a more? Why did they do this? What what about the tight end position do you think is misunderstood or maybe just not not seen by the common eye enough? Well, I mean, I think the tight end position is um, to play that position requires a lot of intelligence. I mean, you've got to be a true student of the game. You know, I mean, I think it's it's uh, probably as demanding. You know, it's in the same category as the quarterback in our system in particular because you're you're specifically involved in the run game on the edges of the formation. Uh, you're you're involved in the protections, uh, and then obviously in all the route concepts. And you've got to play on the perimeter as well. So, from a you know the, the things that they have to process, play in and play out. Um, you got to really be tuned in uh, and take a quarterback mentality and a quarterback approach to how you go about it. And you know we're fortunate that Mike Desimo leads that group, and you know he he is um, a student of the game and certainly a former quarterback and has that perspective and can see the big picture. So I think that's the big thing for me is in our system these guys have got to be really smart. Um, well-prepared players. Um, we've been fortunate that they've they've done that for us. Hunter Bergeron, Lumpkin Johnson, Damian uh, Damani Burrell, Rhett Gidry, Christian Sabatini, Joe Lombardi Jr., Pierce Meagle. A lot of options there. You said you know on game day you like to play six receivers on game day in a typical game day. How many tight ends would you like to play? Not including special teams, just specifically from an offensive standpoint. Well, I think that. Um, the last couple of years, um, we've had four players that we would put out there and we felt like could play winning football. And there wasn't a significant difference maybe, um, you know, between those guys. And we felt like they all could contribute. So we played four guys, you know. Um, so, you know, I think we've got four players with significant experience coming back. And, you know, I think that would be the same approach there. Now, we'd like to see some of these guys that maybe have a bigger role uh, but a lot of that has to do with, you know, their commitment, their dependability, accountability. Um, you know, can they show us, you know, that they can do things consistently and have self-discipline and how they live their lives? All those things matter. So, um, you know, we we got a long way to go before we play and a lot, a lot of work left to do. Uh, and certainly that group, you know, has as much work to do as anybody, right, because of how involved they are. Last question, Coach, for you about this team. Um, every team's in the same boat in this regard in that you know, that extra year of eligibility. Uh, you had nine guys decide, you know what, I'm going to come back uh, for another, another senior year. What kind of leg up does that give you as a coach? Um, how beneficial is those nine guys, knowing that some schools the number might be greater and others it's going to be uh, less than nine, but for you in particular with these guys, how does that make your life a little bit easier right now as you guys go through the phases leading up to the season? Well, I mean, it's really a couple critical uh, people, in my opinion, of that group. You know, I mean, imagine 
uh, going through this offseason or getting ready to play next year without Levi Lewis, without Taylor Humphrey, without Chauncey Manack, Farad Gardner, Ken Marks, Jalen Williams, Cam Solomon, you know, I mean, Nate Snyder. I mean, these guys are – they've played a lot of ball here and certainly not only have been productive players but also are very good leaders. So, um, you know, it's like – uh, picking up a couple NFL free agents that have played, you know, six or seven years and, you know, are very productive and also very good in the locker room and, and off the field, in the classroom, in the community. So we're going to benefit from their experience and leadership, you know, and I, I think that's probably um, their ability to affect the rest of the team is probably what's most important. Billy Napier has been our guest, head football coach for Louisiana's Raging Cajuns tonight. Cajun Field. Uh, 7 o'clock kickoff, get out there, admission is free. The annual spring, uh, Vermilion and White spring game. Coach, we appreciate the time this morning. You know I always like to end on a non-football question. Uh, so today i got to ask you about dad life. I know that during the break in spring ball, you guys got to go on a family trip for a little while. Is um, there a moment from that trip where you were traveling uh, where it was just like, you know what? Kids, I love you, but, um, you know, dad just needs a breather. Dad needs something. Because there's no way the entire trip went smooth. That's just impossible. I know, Coach. I know better. Yeah, no, I think me and Allie, we got back home, and, you know, we're at our house there. We're like, man, that was supposed to be a break. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I think we had a, a heck of a week. It was great to see some of Allie's family. You know, I think got a chance to see Allie's grandparents in uh, Greenville, they came down, drove down from Atlanta, and that probably stood out to me just because we hadn't seen them for so long because of COVID. Um, but, you know, I think in particular, I had a buddy, um, just joking around here, but I had a buddy who texted me, saw a picture of us on vacation. I had a bunch of gray in my beard. He said, man, where's that gray coming from? He said, is it that hard to call plays? I said, man, it's got nothing to do with calling plays. It's this eight-year-old little girl I got that's causing all these gray hairs. That's right. It's, so, it's, um, it's calling the plays of life, Coach. Those are the ones when you got yeah, young kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone's um, like, why do you wear a hat all the time, Scott? Uh, well, if you saw the hairline and what the kids have done to it, I guess you'd understand. So I feel you, Coach. But it's like you love the vacation, but you when you get back, like I always say this, once you have kids, it's a trip. It's not a vacation, right? Is that fair to say it's a trip? <laughs> yeah, I think vacation is when it's just me and Allie. There you, you go. Know, I think that's where I would classify it. But, no, we had a blast, and uh, certainly thankful to even be able to do that. You know, I know a lot of people aren't able to do that. We're certainly thankful that we have an opportunity to travel, go see our family. And, and um, no, it was good, man. It was really good. All the best, Billy. I always appreciate you taking the time. We'll see you at Cajun Field tonight. Vermillion and White spring game, 7 p.m. All the best, and uh, we'll talk to you post-game tonight, Coach. All right, guys. Thank you all. Have a great day. You too. Rage Cajun head football coach, Billy Napier. Got a few minutes left here in the 7 o'clock hour, Norm. Anything stand out to you there when he was talking? Uh, No. um, I just like the fact that he's he's excited, just like the rest of the guys, on the amount of depth and talent that the roster has and – the expectations are high, just like everybody else in Cajun Nation they are expecting from the, the Cajun team this season. I think one thing, one nugget that, that I, I got out of that was when 
we were asking him about the backup quarterback spot, and he said, you know, who's going to get the snaps with the second team? And he said, you know, tonight at the start, it will be Chandler Fields and Ben Woolrich. He said both of those guys will. So that tells you a little bit about how the depth chart is. After Levi Lewis, who's the number two quarterback? Who's the number three? Who's four? Who's five? All that, because they got a lot. I think, you know, Fields is not a surprise. Hearing Woolrich's name, I guess, might not be a surprise for those that are on the inside, but to hear him come out and say it, um, that's something to keep an eye on tonight. Yes, it's it's a big eye-opener. Uh, some of the players I talked to, they spoke real highly of Ben. They say the ball comes out of his hand with a nice zip, um, and he's come in from Fresno State, and he, he, he knows the offense pretty well from what the guys on the inside have told me. So I'm going to keep an eye out, uh, especially for him, because uh, number two quarterback is the heir apparent of Levi Lewis coming in for next season. So... Uh, you just want to know where your number two stands in your program going forward, especially with a monumental uh, leader like Levi being in his last season. And Dave Schultz uh, tagged us in that uh, Jim Jim Nace Jim Jim uh, Nagy Nagy of the Senior Bowl was speaking very highly of Levi Lewis and about Levi possibly getting an invitation to the twenty twenty Senior Bowl. Uh, so that'll be big time. So it's a, it's a lot of eyes on this Cajuns team going forward. No doubt. He said he didn't want to really single out any newcomers, and I, I guess I get that. But if you listen to the whole conversation, he brought up Ulrich. He also brought up John Stevens Jr. by name, unprompted. He's in the wide receiver group, transfer from TCU, a very, very deep group. Anxious to keep an eye on that tonight. Next hour, Norm and I, we're cutting it up. Back to some of the NFL rule changes. Most likely to bust Steph Curry deserving of all the praise right now, or should there be a little bit of what about this? What about that? We got a lot to get into. Don't go anywhere. Plus Cajun baseball bounce back, get the win last night. Boy, that third inning you're sitting there saying not again, but they bounce back out of it. Especially Josh Cofield, big night. Good stuff there. We'll dig into it. Don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show continues right after this. It's ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. And if you're listening on the ESPN 1420 Listen Live Player, that's brought to you by Champagne's Market on the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. Don't go anywhere. The 8 o'clock hour is right around the corner. The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. On ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com.
Hello, everybody, and welcome in to the 8 o'clock hour of the Great Scott Show on a Thursday. Norman Locke is in the house as he is each Thursday. We talked to head football coach Billy Napier last hour. I um, I, I hope that Cajun fans realize what they got right now. I mean, that... In terms of head coaches and authenticity, I mean, you talk to the players, Norm. We've known players that have played at UL under various coaches, and um, the Cajuns have one of the best coaches in the country right now. Hands down. Hands down. And, and we have to enjoy him in the present. Don't think about the future. Don't think about the past. Got to enjoy him in the present. It's just like it's he's he's that good. Uh he's young and uh, credit to Maggard for hiring him and um great hire. You know, I, I don't I don't wanna I don't wanna make it sound like he's beyond criticism or anything like that. Any of them. I just I think to have a head coach like you have right now, just appreciate it and enjoy it, man. And um I don't know, you know, what attendance is has you always expect more. And it, I'm not so much talking about tonight, it's a spring game, but like next season? That attendance needs to be good, man. Yeah. I mean, there's there's the hardcore ones are gonna be there. I get it, but uh you got a top fifteen team in your backyard. You see, what it is is Scott, they need you to bring back the pepper. <laughs> that's that's what it is. Cayenne? They 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 need you to bring back Cayenne. They need you in the suit in Cajun Field with the kids if at the I tailgating. Did, I, if if they, they I'll do it for one game. <laughs> I will. I'll do it for one game. <laughs> Here's the thing. I talked to it's funny. I did a um a gallery post probably 4 or 5 months ago on the mascots of the Sunbelt. Mm-hmm. And you, and folks might still see it from time to time underneath some of our stories. And the Cajuns, you know, are the only school in the Sunbelt that does not have a costume mascot. Cayenne made a brief return for the New Orleans Bowl, the 2011 one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brad Bear, you know, shout out Jay Walker. I can't do it, but uh, Cajuns win. That's all I got. Before that, it, it it wasn't really around much. And I talked to former athletic director Scott Farmer, who I think is now retired. Maybe he's in, he's in Georgia, or Alabama, or somewhere. Um, but I reached out to him. I got his number. He was still in Odessa at the time. He was the AD at a, at a D three school, and I was like, what What exactly happened with Cayenne the Pepper? And he's like, I'll be honest, he's like, you know, there was there was always some complaint about it, whether it was like some thought it wasn't representative, some thought it scared the children. I was like, well, I can agree with you on that part. He said, but the truth is they they, they decided, you know, I, I forgot what, what organization on campus decided they wanted to begin to transition into something new and get feedback. He's like, but it just at some point, you know, it was that that was that was happening, and then I wasn't here anymore, and I, you know, he couldn't really give me any updated details. Now, I was told through the grapevine, through some others currently there, that it is still in the works. They do plan. I don't know what it is. We need a, we need I a don't think swole, it's going to be a pepper. It got to be a swole pepper. Don't think it's Norma. I'm just going to tell you, it's not going to be a pepper. I need it to I be a swole pepper. It's not going to be a pepper. It's strong pepper. So there's. They're they're apparently working on it, but I'd imagine you know 
there's some other bigger fish to fry and COVID and everything like that. I have no idea what the timeline is on it, but at some point they will have some kind of new mascot. And the actual cayenne pepper, I think Farmer told me that the like costume itself got had gotten ripped up and torn up pretty good. I don't know if the mascot like went out on bourbon the night after Brett Bear's kick and <laughs> just Jefferson just on McKinley. Sometimes you, you <laughs> just get, you know doing the dance into you know um we're gonna do that butt thing at the keg you know the the cayenne always remind me of duff man every time i saw cayenne i just reminded duff man i was just like he gonna pull out a he gonna pull out a truly <laughs> a white claw out of somewhere in in, in stone coast Rack see austin right right Give there hell yeah. <laughs> right there on cajunfield see that's what we yeah. need scott i need cayenne taking beer chugs at Cajun Field, that'll pack the. I think it sign me up for one game. Gee, you got Scott Prather for one. If y'all find, you got if someone for one. finds the costume, <laughs> I'm down to do it for a game. I'm down. Now, I, I have no experience that. in the mascot arts, but I did major in drama in college. State, I could, I, I could. I'm not saying I'd be as no no offense to the mascot community. <laughs> the former, the, the no former offense guy to in. the mascot community, but like for one game. I mean, I might. It might be hot as hell. I, I just, I don't know if it's its head. I mean, that thing was tall. No, that it no was one, buff. It no was one, buff. But no one looks at you and I and are like, those guys are tall. Like, would we even be able to fit in it? See, that's the trick question. Arms on Kyan. He has some guns. <laughs> he on he him. wasn't drinking this. No. With one beer. Two beers. Three beers. A shot of whiskey. A margarita. And a bloody Mary. No, Cayenne apparently was just drinking like creatine. Give me a hell yeah! I said, give me a hell yeah! Uh, Did you what, watch the special? No, I, no, it was on A and E. I saw yeah. some people tweeting about it. I don't, I, I don't have that much time to watch TV, but I, at some point, yeah, I put that hour in. At some point, I got it. It was it was great. It was great just to see like. Watching it, watching Stone Cold and the Attitude Era young was completely different from going back and watching it, understanding it now. Because it was wild. Going oh. back, I couldn't comprehend. I just knew it was wild, like Stone Cold sliding down the ramp with two beers, you know, like in a, in a, it was in TV, a chair. It was either TV 14 or sometimes TV Mature was the rating. Yeah. On yeah. And like now it's, you know, the company is is wider publicly traded all that stuff so they there is an element of we also have to be let me tell you something there was no they it wasn't there were no complaints about y'all need to be more raw no on raw it was now it's now it's man i wish they could be a little bit more push the boundary a little more just because it's sometimes back then there was none of that it was was the opposite it It was was, it was man the fcc they are watching tonight and they all have their glasses on, and they're looking closely <laughs> for anything that they can find us with. Give me a hell yeah. Because he went through that he wasn't the first beer drinking. That wasn't it wasn't his his go-to thing at first. It was, I forget the other wrestler, but it was his thing. But he was, was just a like. wrestler in ECW that would just come out and chug beers. Yeah, that would just the chug Sandman, beers. Yeah. yeah, the Sandman. He was like, he just, man. he'd come out and just it? chug beers. But he's like, I, I, you know, nobody threw it to him. And he'd clap him and then a chug him. <laughs> he he said, went through the whole art of, of, of everything. And I was just like, 
then he stone cold more on like dramas and and documentaries. I'm like, because he, you know, he has that raspy voice that I, you know, I just give me a hell yeah, like, yeah. I wasn't the first one, but I stone did it right. He, <laughs> dude, he got he talked. I heard a story one time about how he was he was in the ring like. It might have been when he was doing like snow angels and the beer in the ring, <laughs> but like it's some. He said one time they were because they always throw him right, and he wasn't like he was laying on the ring. I don't know if it was like I don't know if it was a bit or if he had been knocked down or something. I don't remember, but he said like he was supposed to be you know he's passed out in the ring like he was knocked out or something, and a beer just boom got him in his skull. He's like, let me tell you something, bro. That thing. <laughs> It hurt more than any potato any other wrestler gave me in the ring. <laughs> that thing left a giant whelp on his head. I mean, Man, that hurt, I dude. I remember being at the beach like 15 years ago with some friends, and it was in the summer, and it might have been longer than 15 years ago. Probably it had a little bit too many. So everybody, you know, you'd go like hang out at the sand dunes. You'd stay in the water to be cool, and somebody would run back on the beach and just get some beers out of that shit and just like start throwing them. Well, as the day went on, the throws got a little more wild and a little harder. Start because looking like Jake Cutler out there. It was, yeah, <laughs> it was. It was like you didn't have, you know, you weren't in the right frame of mind to be like, this isn't a bad idea. Man, everybody would just duck, and one of my friends, man, he took one like right in the sternum. Like, Ooh, <laughs> and he was like. Oh, he like he complained for a minute. He's like, oh, whatever. And then he cracked it open, and the beer like flew in his face, and he's like drinking it. But it was the next day when he woke up, yeah, and everyone's like, I got a headache. He's like, look at my chest. I'm not even worried about a headache. I've got a freaking bruise tattooed <laughs> in the center of my chest. He's not happy with me. Uh, Kirk, thanks for listening. He says, I like the Thursday morning show. Hashtag digging on Scott and Norman special time. Oh, I appreciate you. Um, I don't know how we got to Stone Cold and Beer, but. Dude, the special. You, 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 we was talking you, about the special. You, no, you started it with the cayenne. That's how it all. Oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. So, cayenne, what, so it, it, look, whatever the next mascot's going to be, I don't think it's, it's not going to be cayenne. Why? Because they. I'm they, starting a petition. Got rent, run out. You better get a lot of support on campus. It's not. It's not going to have any. No. They, they don't even know him like that. They don't even, like, it's, I'm old, so it's oh. like I remember cayenne being at my freshman orientation. So it's like, but going forward after that, like you say, after 2011, he hasn't been on campus. Like he doesn't, he hasn't made any appearances. So those kids don't know who he is. There's they always these jokes. Like Norman, you get out of here. There's always <laughs> these jokes about Cayenne or you know the Cajun chicken before him, or oh, they should just get Rob Schneider from Water. They should just do. What if like what would just Rob Schneider? Like, you know that that that'll, that'll tweak my heart. Right. Well, yeah, but that would that would also. Tick off too many people. <laughs> I think they should just ask Troy Landy from Swamp People. Just be like, can you just be our Raging Cajun mascot and just come to the games and just be mad? <laughs> Swamp like, Shoot him. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you want a Raging Cajun. That, like, I think yeah. they're, they're, I'll be upset. <laughs> I'll be upset because they the don't live have... live mascot. What is it, a tiger? No, it's Troy Landry. And he I mean, walks around with a, with a baby alligator. He could. He, you know, he, why not? And a piece of sugar cane. No, no, I don't I don't. <laughs> that you can't, that's a Cajun. I get, well, there's, there's, but we've talked about this. There's different, there's there's different prairie Cajuns, Cajuns there's yeah. Bayou Cajuns. There's prairie Cajuns. There is. There's prairie Cajuns <laughs> in terms of the kind, what they, when they moved down here from the north and what, what they lived off of. And, you know, like go out in the Iota area and you see all the, you know, the farms and stuff. And then you it's go down be and, in Iota. You go down in Pierre Part and it's like, we, we're in the swamp. 
See, you taking me all over Louisiana. I, yeah, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm trying to. I'll be oh, joking man. at Linden Linden's from New Iberia. Like, you be, how was your drive from Atlanta? You <laughs> sound like Steve with that nonsense. <laughs> Steve's like, call cat. I got to go to the North Pole. What? Got to go call the game in Russell tonight. <laughs> man, y'all are crazy. Hey, man, I'm just used to I mean, it's, uh, it's just how it is, man. ESPN1420.com. All right. Sports. I'm going to try my best here. We talked last hour a little bit about some of the new rule changes in the NFL. Really the big one, which is, uh, you know, the numbers thing. If there was a rule that you could implement in the NFL today that would not be tabled, that would be passed by the majority of owners, what would it be? Mm, that's a good question. That's a good question. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, got, I need time to think on that one. I, 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 I haven't thought about that one. I, I do you do you add a, a three point try in terms of point after from farther away, just I, so that games. You I'm more keep on the side of, of of fixing or trying to fix officiating, not adding points or or taking away points. I'm more on the side of maybe adding a, a, a extra challenge. Maybe three challenges or four challenges, one one per quarter. I think that I think that'll be my my biggest change. A challenge per quarter for each coach, regardless if it's successful or fails. Well, you get four. No, I mean, I mean, but you know, like currently, it's like oh, well, you, you get, get one, one but, but if, if you, and you, you get two, but if you miss one of those, you don't get a third. Yeah, no, it's regardless success or fail, you get one per quarter. I feel like that'll uh, help the mental fortitude of some coaches that that sometimes like ah, I think I could have got that call but I want to save my challenge or I'm on my second challenge and I I don't want to get it wrong I might want to use it end up not using it for the rest of the game and you should have used it on that one play I feel like give them give them four of them things give them four red flags I think um a rule that was tabled this year which means they're considering it but they haven't passed it yet the Buffalo Bills proposed this and it's not an in-game rule or anything like that. But the Bills propose that the league push back interviews for general managers and head coaching positions until after the championship round of the playoffs. And that would prevent that hires until after the Super Bowl, which I do think is is good because I think what ends up happening a lot of times is deserving candidates and coaches – don't get other jobs because they're filled by the time they're run to the suit. Even when you see a guy, like if, if if you interview for a job and you're also preparing for a Super Bowl, how quick and in-depth is that interview going to be? Like you're a, you're, a, you're a coordinator on a team and, okay, we want to do this. We're going to interview via Zoom and it's your one day off and then you got to get back to prep. How many guys even want to do their interview when they're preparing for what has been built up as the biggest game of their life. Like, I, I do think there is this idea of what, well, and, and other teams will be like, well, we want you to interview this job, but right now we we got we to conference championship game. Yeah. So, no, you're going to have to wait. And then another team's like, well, we fired our coach two months ago and, and we, we, we never were going to keep the interim. So, we got to move here. We got to make some moves. We got a lot to do. And I think you end up, you know, I just think it hurts worthy candidates that are deserving of it. So, I like I like the Bills thinking there. And I hope that. Um, you know, a year from now that thing passes and, and and teams can complain and say, well, we want to move quicker. Well, you know, too bad. Try not to suck as much so you don't have to fire your guy. 
And also, you know, for the running backs, I feel like I'll put them in, I have a positional wage scale just to make things a little bit better for the rookies, not, can I say this? You wouldn't have to break the bank open from a rookie and and to a standpoint where it's just like, oh, he was a fourth rounder, fifth rounder. He didn't get paid for his first five, six years, and then now years year. I mean, first four to five years. Now year six, he got to get a hundred million dollar contract. Just feel like if you even out the wages a little bit, then you wouldn't have to break the bank as open for some of the fringe players around the league and. The top, you know, the, the cream of the crop is going to get paid regardless. But I feel like it's the middle ground players that are, are overworked, underpaid in the beginning of their career. Then the second half of the career, they kind of really don't don't pan out. But they could have gotten a, a okay, decent contract over the, the so. The life you, of it. it sounds like you would <clears throat> every. I think every player, especially the ones that are not on big deals, all have smaller uh, incentive pay. Like last year, the Saints had. 30 players like get bonus money now not the kind of bonus money you would see in a big contract like oh if if Teddy Bridgewater makes a Pro Bowl he gets this much no right. it was more like like CJ Gardner Johnson made an extra 700,000 last year but it was it was based off of not terms in his contract as agent negotiated but actually rules from the league based right. on how much he gets paid and how much he played now someone else might say well, yeah, that's cool and all. It should have been a lot more than that because yeah. this other guy that barely played made more than him and didn't even suit up this year. So you're saying maybe an increase in some of that for basically, okay, you only make this much. So if you're below this threshold, your contract automatically has this playing time accelerator. Accelerator. There you go. I think I think that's a good idea because then it, it it's right now. It's not technically that there's something close to it, but the number's low. So yeah, you're saying so bump that up. Yeah, so if it's like you're a six-rounder, you're not projected to start, but if you come out and, and, and throw 30, 40 touchdowns, you should be able to get paid like you threw 30, 40 touchdowns going forward and have that contract litigated in that way. So it's like, okay, next season, well, you threw 13, well, you're getting paid like a six-round, 13-touchdown quarterback. You know, but if you, you, you have the accelerator in there, like, hey, hey, you can do really good and get paid really well, kind of like a a, a a salesman, you know, like a door-to-door salesman. Yeah. Like, hey, if you're out there hustling, you could be a millionaire. But if you're out there, ain't doing nothing, ain't talking to nobody, making no phone calls, you get your base paid and you go home. <laughs> <laughs> I like the, the Ravens, ESPN 1420. I'm Scott. That's Norman. The Ravens every year bring something to the table that, like, is something you wouldn't have thought of but isn't like completely outlandish. I I could be wrong in this, Norm, but I think they were the first ones to propose that rule last year about, hey, um, if you could go, you you could instead of an onside kick, you have like a, you know, a fourth and twenty or a fourth, yeah. or something like that. You know, this year, um, the Ravens had a proposal that did not pass of a spot or choose proposal for overtime, which basically the way they laid it out was if you win the coin toss in overtime, the team that wins can either choose to have possession or where the ball will be spotted. So if you, you can say, all right, we want to go on defense and you're going to start at the one yard line or we'll take the ball. But if you take the ball, that team's going to say, okay, guess what? You're going to start on the one yard line. Yeah. I don't like that rule. I, I, I'm not surprised that it didn't pass. 
But I like that Baltimore. Like Baltimore seems like a group that like because they like to run the ball. If you were like, like the, if you were like, like at the defense. sports bar and you were like, man, what are some like cool rules you would implement in the NFL? Like, man, I don't know. What about this? And then after like your fourth or fifth beer, you start like talking about stuff like that. What about like the one yard line, bro? Because <laughs> like, I love that Baltimore does that, and like they never pass, but it like gets you to thinking. Because I think that that Norm, I think that the overtime rule has probably been and will yeah. continue to be the most scrutinized. But there is no, there is no perfect scenario. There is, there's, there's no way to quote fix it or make it most fair. You're always going to have the element of a coin toss, and as long as you do, that's just how it's going to be. And I don't have, I like, I respect the. I wish more teams just brought stuff to the table every single year like this to get people talking. I'm, I'm with you. I, I, sometimes you just need that that drunk uncle to spark up the conversation, and that's the Ravens. Every now and then, the that's drunk the uncle has a good. He, he come out with some some caveats. Good idea, man. <laughs> a good idea. Now, what I, I mean, I know we, we was talking NFL, but I want to switch gears and. And ask you how you what's your thoughts on the Pelicans? I mean, we we yesterday we was ta- chiming in a little bit on it, but Zion looking like a giddy schoolgirl when talking about Madison Square Garden. Like again, I, I feel like every premium basketball player likes to play at the Garden and wants to play at the Garden. LeBron James has come out and talked about how he loves the Garden, and he's, he's he hasn't signed with the Knicks. Kyrie no. hasn't signed with the Knicks. KD no. hasn't signed with the Knicks. But Looking at that sparkle in his eye, Sky, and the and him smile. You know, Zion doesn't give great interviews. He he's kind of to the point all the time, unless Not, it's after a loss. He smiles all the time. He but that smile when talking about the Knicks. I don't know. He was blushing, Sky. I saw blushing. I'm I saw about the Knicks. He's talking about Madison. He's Square talking Garden. about Madison Square Garden. Uh, I'm glad you asked that. Actually, uh, you could hear the smile. Sure. I mean. New York is the mecca of basketball. Uh, I love I love playing. I love playing here. Uh, when I played here in college, and this is my first time playing here in the pros, and I mean, this, this atmosphere, you know, whether they're cheering for you, whether they're booing for you, uh, it's amazing. Uh, uh, honestly, I think outside of New Orleans, obviously, uh, I think this might be my favorite place to play outside of New Orleans. I can't even lie to you. I can't lie to you. It's a clip you'll hear for like the next ten years. Yeah, and, I'm, and it terrifies me because no. I, I, because we have heard JJ Reddick come out and talk very badly about the Pelicans organization, about how they handle the players, this, that, and the third. We we know what what AD did and and how he talked about the Pelicans. But if it happens again, the Pelicans mismanage Zion Williamson, and for some reason, Bi. Ask for a trade also because them two are forever tied right now because, I mean, we got B.I. signed, and that's supposed to be the leverage of Zion after his rookie deal is, is re-signing and keeping those guys together. But, Scott, if for some odd reason both of them leave, it's going to be hard for me to, to stay a Pelicans fan. Okay. I'm not going to be well, honest. You've got six to seven years before you got to worry about that. This state, this you got national media calling for Zion. Well, well, well you, you got you. First of all, you knew that was going to happen as soon as he started playing good. That, I, did, that happened, I didn't that know happened, that happened before he said nice things about Madison Square Garden, which, as you mentioned, LeBron did, uh, Kevin Durant did, Kobe did, Kobe did. I mean, yeah. 
the Knicks for you, they they thought they were going to get Giannis. They thought they were going to get AD. They thought Kyrie was going to sign it. They thought Durant was going to sign it. They thought they were going to sign LeBron. This is this isn't anything new. Ended this up is, with with um, this is old. With with uh, <laughs> Melo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, 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 that, was, and that was that was via trade and stuff. <laughs> but like that's I and not to mention um, every player does it. Plus, let's not forget Norm that five days after that he was, or excuse me, two days after that or five days after that. No, because they played on Sunday. Played, yeah, so days. two days after that, he was releasing a new shoe. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, you make. I'm, I'm not. Scared, I'm not saying. Scott, I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm scared. He only did it because he knew it would get his name out there. But Norm, guess what? Was his name not trending constantly? And then suddenly, oh, and by the way, guess who's releasing a new shoe today? Um, it scares me. You, but, see, but you it, could be scared. You, you could, I could. You could be scared and be just, unscared. This is because of trauma from. The yes, idea, yes, and yes, I get it. Yes, um, we all agreed that and Chris Paul. We, we, yeah, but you're you're looking at Chris Paul it was just total. That was different, different ownership. I mean, just, they weren't even owned by a team. But I'm still, but the PTSD is still real. I, I still have it. a Chris Paul jersey. I'm glad to not buy Anthony Davis jersey. I, I have I, a Zion jersey. I I, I, under, I understand it, but he's in year two of a rookie deal and he's 20. Uh, no one's ever signed the max that wasn't eligible to out of their rookie when they're first able to do it from a rookie extension standpoint because they like to stretch it out to seven years mm-hmm. whenever they can get the most value based on the CBA and then see where the market is. And then you start getting close to that, that eighth year, that player option year. That's when if teams feel like you're not going to lock in or you're not going to sign the next extension, they either look to trade you in that offseason. Um, and every now and then they'll let you stick around and make a decision. Thunder did it with KD. They regretted it. Bucks did it with Giannis. They didn't. I mean, it, you've you've got years, Norm. You watch. I mean, I, I mean this with respect. You watch too much of the national talking heads that you knew as soon as he said that comment, they were going to be harping on it. If he said this five years from now, I'd be like, okay, all right. Now, this, it's, it's not it's, about this them is, harping on it. I'm just looking at the Pelicans aren't good. I'm not. I'm not telling you that they are. They're I'm not, not even this, close this, to this. This is literally strictly gone off of. In the views, I've seen Zion talk about different topics and watching his body language in this interview, that scares me more than the statement. Because I, if you go back and watch KD and LeBron talking about Madison Garden, it's more in a professional manner. Like, oh, yeah, um, I think Madison Garden, you know, shout out to them. You know, the Knicks is a value franchise and da-da-da-da. But it, Zion's the only one that's like, <laughs> Talk about the Knicks. I love the Knicks. Well, never, I'm to Mesquite Garden. You talked about the Knicks. You talk about Mesquite. They, they I'm sorry. They talk about Mesquite Garden. <laughs> I just felt like Zion got so tickled. If you want to lose sleep over, go ahead, man. He's in I, year. I, he's twenty. He's in year two I'm, of a rookie deal. You've got six years. What What I'm scared. What What I'm scared of, and what could possibly lead me to lose sleep, is the narration of the talking heads so early. I've never seen. Oh, stop. Anybody, it started before they even drafted. And I, I, no, 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 Scott. I've when they won the lottery, about, it started. We can't. I can't name another player that this has happened to. So I could see if this was like a reoccurring thing. Oh, small market players, but they wasn't screaming. Giannis has to Who leave was the after last year. Yeah, but he was not a generational talent when he was drafted. 
He didn't become. No one even thought he was going to be an MVP. Who was the last generational talent where to everyone a small, said to a, to when, a small market? Just generational talent that was number one overall pick. I'm saying to, it has to be to a small market. Okay, to so be who was it? Giannis. That's the only person. No, but, but when he was, you're you're not wrong. But when he was drafted, my point. They that talk did not start until it was like. Whoa! Well, we then this guy the last dude, number last, one pick last year. All the talking heads talked about how fat Zion was. This year he's going off, and it's well, I guess he shouldn't be in New Orleans. Like yeah. it's it's just this tired would, old narrative. Would you ask me? I don't think there's anyone to compare Zion to because if you want to talk about the last that's number my one, that's pick my point to get drafted to a small market, maybe LeBron. That was a general. It's probably AD actually. You like well, we wouldn't we we, we he wasn't generational. We got drafted. I don't know. I I I just I think the talk around AD was this is there's there's a big big gap between him and four and the the latest cup the last couple of number one overall picks and between him and Michael Kidd Gilchrist. I think AD was Kyrie maybe a guy. I I I, I guess there wasn't a, a large catalog of work it do for Kyrie, but he was up there. I think. My point is, it doesn't happen often. And Zion, as you would agree, as I think we can agree. My point is, he's one of one. There's no comparison. So my 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 not, point is, I've, I've multiple superstars and small markets there. No matter position of drafted, you you Harper on one, on draft number one, position list. There hasn't been a star in a small market that people have asked to be traded before year three. Who is who? People have asked. You mean the national media? Finding a young superstar that suddenly well, I, I won't best. even I won't even put it just on national media because if we can, I could, there's articles from non-national media, so I, I don't want to just put it on the target okay. heads on Who? TV. Uh, the beat writers for different for, for different, different teams. teams. Oh, he might come to our team. Well, of course they're going to do that. Well, I'm not. I'm saying in a sense of like if we want to say Sports Illustrated, that's a non-team writer. You can look up articles about Zion. That's and, like the biggest mm-hmm. sports. Writing outlet in yeah you say talk they're not the talking world. heads I'm giving you people other than okay, talking heads my, I can say my, writers my, talk it, heads. I can say podcasters I can say multiple yes, multiple yes, people yes, but I'm, yes you can what I'm you saying say is that there's no one and what scares me what's the biggest fear is I never saw if Zion if if there's literally nobody in the world compare Zion well I'm just shut up but. For right now, to this standpoint, there's been no 20-year-old in the league that I could think of that media members, whether it's national, local, talking heads, have even thought of should be talked about leaving their small market. There, there hasn't been none. As soon as a player becomes a superstar, was this happening last year? No. I, I can't think of. That's why I'm no, asking. No, no, That's no. Why I no with my, my, I'm going somewhere with this. Was this what you're describing? Was this happening last year with Zion? No, not in the bubble, no. In before the bubble. No. It was, oh, he's hurt, he's fat. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. So when a guy in a small market, whatever whatever point in time it happens, when they take that next step and everyone's like, whoa, rinse and re- it's going to happen. Now, see, that's why I disagree. It's gonna, it happened with Giannis. As I feel soon, like. With, as soon as Giannis went from, he could be pretty good to, oh, my God, he's he's going to win MVPs. The conversation started. The, the conversation with, media is going to do it why I disagree. all the time. When did the conversation— why does, we, why does what the national media say matter about— I mean, this is about Zion and this the is, and You, you said national up. media. I said media, period. This is, I'm, I'm, I'm even killed. Media. Okay, media. Uh, across. Because I'm media. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call myself national. And I what's the reason for going to a big market? For— that's a, that's the biggest question. Now, with Giannis, 
because Giannis is the person that I say is the closest to looking at what, what people are asking for from Zion. I'm going to say the talks of Giannis leaving didn't start until he couldn't get it done in the playoffs. His MVP year, there wasn't no talks of Giannis needing to leave the Bucks. It was more so, what are the Bucks going to do to keep Giannis? I haven't heard. No, there wasn't what the Pelicans need to do to keep Zion. Is Zion needs to go? He can, he don't need to be there. The Pelicans are going to mess him up. Is it? We haven't even heard. We have. I haven't even seen any articles or talk about what can the Pelicans do to keep Zion. It's always. What? Where Zion's gonna go? Right, it gets a lot of clicks. He's in year two of his rookie deal. But I'm just, I'm so, I'm saying like that. So I'll say this: if you want to be upset or worry about scared, it, scared, I wouldn't say upset. I didn't say upset. I say scared. You want to be scared for the next five years? Go ahead. I'll start getting nervous in year five. I'm, I'm, I'm nervous now. But you're, you're just, you're letting them, you're letting them get in your head. It it's not, I'm not letting them get in my head. I'm so worried what, about them. You actually letting... think Zion's going to be like, you know what? I need to force a trade. I'm not going to come play. If you trade me. You think that's about to happen? No, I didn't say that. No, I don't. So what are you nervous about? I'm nervous that when it's when it comes time to sign that extension, Bi and Zion, if it's a, it's per, if it's Pelicans year two aren't good. Year three, this is a this is a big year. You have to decide what to do with Lonzo Ball. You have to decide if you want to keep Steven Adams. There's a bunch of players on the roster. You got uh, Najee Marshall, who's been playing well. Do you keep him and let Josh Hart walk? Do you let Josh Hart stay and let Najee leave? Do you re-sign uh, James Johnson? Do, it's a lot that, that the Pelicans have to do in year three to, to for us to even look forward to year four. And then, like I said, my biggest thing is when it comes down to Zion re-signing and B.I. re-signing, that's what I'm scared for. If national media is putting bugs in their ear in year two of these players being together, I can only imagine two more years of losing. I, I so, I, so yeah, yes, I, I'm a little bit more ahead. worried when, uh, when my star player gets giddy on national media, it's a you difference of said, saying you just said national media, not I, me. And I think I think you give them way too much credit. I'm talking not to the national media. I'm, again, I'm a, I'm a re, you, reiterate. You, you, no, you just used say, the phrase. You yes, said the national me, media me, getting in their ear, and I'm saying you're getting giving in them their too ear, much credit. And let me let me let me simplify for you, Scott. I'm talking about the giddiness of Zion's body language and his statements. It ain't about the national media. It's not about the media. It's about my star player and his comments to the national media. If he wasn't as giddy, if his body language ain't give off so much excitement to me, we wouldn't be talking about it. It would have been just vanilla topics. Like I said, comparable to a LeBron James or Kevin Durant. When they talked about it, it wasn't the excitement in their voice that it was because Kevin Durant was in a small market, uh, a, a a great player in a small market at the time. I don't, I don't want to talk about the national media, talking heads, media, radio personalities, podcasters, writers, YouTubers. Don't want to talk about them. I'm talking about Zion Williamson and his excitement in those statements that scare me. Not Shannon Sharp on the Club Shay Shay podcast. If you go, if you want to be scared for the next five years, it's fine. I'm scared. I'm. I'm done with this. I think I have two, Scott. These are the kind of conversations. I'm, my guy this, Drew Holiday isn't is, a pelican anymore. This is not meant in any disrespect to you, but these are the conversations that I hate more than any other. Like, it's year two. Come back in year four or five, whenever it plays out. You realize B.I.'s in the first year of his extension, which doesn't have a player option? Yeah. Like, 
What are you doing? It's I'm, April of 2021, Norm. Hey man, I'm Zion. Because be he got there. excited saying how much he loved it. Like this, this, these he, are these are these conversations <laughs> are reserved for shows that I don't watch, he, and I I hate these kinds of. That's conversations. That's, that's that's. You want to talk about the Pelicans? They, it's a topic. They're not it's, good. He gave us a topic to talk about. It, even if he didn't say anything, it was already a topic. You had Cowherd two weeks ago talking about how oh, he still got out of there. <laughs> Look, they, they haven't done anything. Actually, they changed the whole front. Here's here's a bright no, no. spot he, this he, year. He went on there here and just a, went on a tangent talking about Here is a bright spot nothing. this year. Let's talk about something that, that's based in right now, this team right now. Um, they've had the least amount of games lost to injury. Now, you could say that's not a bright spot. Look at their record. I'm comparing that to years past. Here's why it's a bright spot. You're right about one thing. This offseason is going to be really, really important. And it will shape where the franchise goes the next few years with Zion and B.I. You now have a much better idea of what you have to get and what you have to get rid of. That, if you had the injuries like you usually do, and I know they have some, and Josh Hart's out right now and Gnaw and stuff like I'm, that. I'm about to tell up with your entire but, rebuttal. But if you had, no, they, they went from having the most injuries, most games lost to injuries in the league over a five-year span by far to this year the least. You know, you have a better idea what you have to do this offseason. You could fool yourself and man, had you missed a bunch of guys and said, you know what? Yeah, Bledsoe missed a lot of games, and this guy missed a lot of games, and we just got to run it back because we feel like if we keep it together, no. You have, no. Do you have the roster pulled up? I do you know not the have Pelican the roster. roster. I know the roster. All right, so right now you say that the Pelicans know what they need to do. Scott Prather what do the Pelicans need to do to make Zion Williamson happy and be a successful franchise next season win, and, and win, win games? Win games. No, no. What, what do they have to do to win games? Win games. If I knew, if I knew the exact answer to that, Norm, I would be working in the front office there. All right, and now this is why, <laughs> okay. as a Pelicans fan, I'm scared because even as a fan, I don't know what that answer is. You got to get more shooting. I think you need someone at the five spot that can be a stretch five because I think that can. If you have a guy that can play some minutes, because so on the rest of right now, who? Who is a who's staying or who the Pelicans need to who's staying? Who, no, no, Nikhil's staying. Kyra Lewis. Marshall's staying on a cheap contract. Kyra Lewis is so staying. So he's gonna get resigned or Yeah. Okay. So, but but he but so it's a guarantee. Are they gonna take Josh Hart? You're gonna get who? Marshall? Yeah, Marshall. Marshall's not getting Marshall's not getting a, a mid level exception. Okay. I'm just asking. No. I just, You're so gonna Marshall, get cheap talent that can play meaningful minutes in Marshall. And I like Marshall. I like and I like uh, the minutes he being. Marshall will so. be there, Lewis will be there, obviously B. I and Zion. Okay. I don't know about Steven Adams. Jackson Hayes will be there. That's five. Lonzo players. Ball probably won't. Okay, so so right now a definite five. Jackson, Naw, Zion, B. I, Marshall, I think Josh Hart. Is that only five? Well, Josh Hart makes six. Yeah. I think I think those are six that you say you gotta get rid of Bledsoe. Um, Owandu will probably be there just because of his contract, and he'd probably be at the end of the rotation. Right, right. 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 So like you know, um, Didi will be there. That's eight. Didi Lozado, who you mm-hmm. have not seen yet, who is a who. The scouting report is he was a second round pick out of Brazil. He's been playing in Australia. They're bringing him up. In fact, we might see him tomorrow, probably next week, because there's like a week long because of COVID. So right. at some point we'll see him next week, but he'll be there because he's under contract. Um, can't really give you anything definitive about but him. Eight I haven't players seen him play. that that we know from this roster this year are going to be back next year. 
I think they and, and I think James Johnson. I like James Johnson. I, I want him to come back. But I, you you've said way more players than yeah. I think should return. I think I think that's probably. I mean, I think those one one or two of those guys might not be. Um, Steven Adams might be because of the contract, and right. I don't mind Steven. I think I think fit is a question, not so much, not so much whether like he, effort and things like that. Um, but yeah, I think I think there's probably there is eight to ten guys on the roster currently that will be on the roster next year, and, and that I'm opens telling up, you, that opens up between five to seven spots, and you have to get shooting. And, I, and I'm telling you, shooting. Scott, at those names that you just said that you feel like because those names differ from me. That those names that you just said return on the Pelicans, those eight to nine players, the Pelicans are going to be in the same spot that we are in this year. I I, I don't see any improvement. Why? 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 I'm not. I'm not getting into the conversation with you again about guys being able to improve. I felt like we. I don't. I, don't, I feel I like don't, we got off track last week debating, you know, players improving. We talking about one player. No, but, but but no, but then we started bringing up others, and it got out of hand. But I don't see. I don't see the roster improvement that's going to that's you, just, that, you, you don't think getting more minutes together you don't think Nall can be better you don't think Jackson Jackson Hayes is a guy well, you see, I said I said the the you don't list, think Zion's going to be better I said the list that you of roster the roster yeah, but we have but they're, the roster, they're obviously going to be adding players to right them. but the roster and I, I I ain't talking about players that they could add I'm talking about the roster that you named well sure if they're going out there with eight players no, and they still don't have shooting eight. I'm then, yeah. talking about if those players return with any additional players those core players the Pelicans are going to be right back in the same because we have seen what those players could be so we've seen I'm not I, I don't so you're see getting rid of so you're getting rid of Jackson you're getting rid of Kyra you're getting no, rid of Marshall you're getting you, rid of why don't you ask me about who I would get rid of and keep and then you'll be able to say won't you ask me go ahead all right here we go so Zion Williamson is a definite Brandon Ingram is a definite Kyra Lewis because he's rookie he's a definite Jackson Hayes is a definite right now because he's still on his contract I feel like those four and then the the kid that you said second round but he's I don't think he's gonna be he's gonna be off the bench or still coming we have to no, the We have no idea. Right. But no if idea. He, if, I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and act like he's gonna be great. I have no idea. Right. He so might I'm not, not, I'm not even putting or him, he might be awesome. Who right. knows? He's not he's not you know he's not on my list. He's a wild card. All right, so right now I got five people that I feel like are definite to return and the Pelicans should be key to return. And that's Marshall, because it's gonna be cheap and he's played he can do everything that Josh Hart does for cheaper. That's how I feel. That guy cannot rebound like Josh Hart. Don't even be, don't don't be. The last silly. game he had more rebounds don't than Josh Hart. Ridiculous. This game he had more rebounds. He had one game. I, I like Marshall. Let's not get. I like Marshall, away. but I, I feel he, like he can do. Josh Hart is is what my my exact words is. I feel like he can do what Josh Hart gives you for cheaper. Mm-hmm. And he say he can do it as well. I say he can do it better. I say he can do it for cheaper. Great value, Josh Hart. Now. If we saving money with Josh Hart not being there, which is in my if 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 I'm picking things, Josh Hart won't be here because you're getting you getting what you're getting from Marshall. Mid level exception for Hart, I'd do it in a second. All right, Lonzo Ball wouldn't be here. Stephen Adams wouldn't be here. I'm with you on upgrading for Stephen Adams. Now, if he stays, he stays, but an upgrade would be okay. But the core, I think the Pelicans core that they should work on and build on and improve on is Zion, B.I., Kyra Lewis, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and then number five is Ala James, Marshall, 
Steven Adams, one of those three. But all of them don't need to return because what I've seen from, from this roster with these core players is they don't play defense together. And the shooting isn't well. So of the players that I left off, the Lonzo Ball, the, the the guy that Scott doesn't he going to improve to a better player, the Josh Hill, the oh, Josh Hart. The, the, the guy we know nothing about? Yeah, the guy we know nothing about. I feel like that four to five players on the Pelicans team that do not need to return because – I, I just I, I think we can get better from either new players or giving minutes to the younger players that we got in Kyra Lewis on the Kill Alexander Walker. But Eric Blitzer, you know he he doesn't need to return. You know how I feel about Lonzo Ball and then everyone else on the roster. I feel like we need to get more defenders and more shooting. So just get more shooters, man. Upgrade the roster. Just Zion, if shooters. your name's not Nalls, Kyra Lewis, Zion, the Bi, you you and Norman Locks, mine. You want them trade talks, buddy. Good luck. There's work trade to do. Talks, buddy. There's work to do. You need to stop worrying about. Troy Thibodeau chimes in. He said, uh, he says Zion's going to leave the first chance he can go. Okay. All right. So Troy Thibodeau chimes. So when chimes would that in. be? Exactly. When is the first chance? Guess he's not gonna sign for that, that Supermax. I don't know. I don't know. I've, 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 I don't know. No, but in today's NBA, can't you just Force your way out. Haven't we seen that? We we have saw stars. The stars have the power. Is he, a he is a star. He so could. wouldn't that be like today? He could. Wouldn't that be today? Is as it soon possible? As he can? I'm not saying. If you're saying as soon as he can, I mean, give me some details. Is that, that today? Extra Thibodeau. That's what Troy Thibodeau said. I am asking him. Okay, Troy Thibodeau, Scott Prather. When is it? In. He wants when to know uh, what what is your definition of if as soon if as he's, he can. If he's if he's gone after the you know. The last year of his rookie deal. He's gone after 2023-2024. So the 2024-25 season, if you're talking about just in terms of contract, okay. I think he I might, guess this, he guess might this sign a right. max before that because he'd probably rather make $40 million a year instead of $13 million, But could happen. You it could. See. It could. You know what? I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's not going to happen. It could. I'm just not going to worry about it today. That's three years from now. Norm's sitting here. Peeing in his pants. Yeah. He's got, dude, go clean yourself up. Good hey, Lord. Uh, hey, I've seen what this Pelican organization has done. Yes. I've seen it. No, it's it's this, this, it. it's not an equal trade-off. We put this emotion in, and all they give us is pain, pretty much. That's it, bro. Pain no, but they give us, smoothies. They give us glimmers <laughs> of hope, but that's what makes the pain more severe. I'm going to have to start putting tequila in my smoothies in the center, bro. ESPN 1420 and .com. I had a smoothie there when I took my kid to the game. That went over Philly. I'm surprised you got your arm still. It was good. It cost an arm in a league in there. What, for the smoothie? Yeah. Nah, it was like four or five bucks. I don't believe it. I'm t- I just did it. I swear <laughs> to God. It was good. Did they go down on it? Got a smooth- Maybe. I don't know. I just know it was like, oh, cool. It was good. Angel food smoothie. I'm not going to lie. It was- I hadn't had one of those in a while. No, yeah, that's my favorite. Well, second favorite. Don't go anywhere. ESPN 1420.com. When we come back, what to watch for in the spring game tonight at Cajun Field. Crosby Construction Services at the Port of Iberia is now hiring for welders and fitters for pipe vessels.
All right, we are just about out of time. Final segment of the Great Scott Show. Scott Prath and Norman Locke. We talked to Rage Occasion head coach Billy Napier in the 7 o'clock hour. Louisiana spring game tonight. What are you, What's the number one thing on your list you're looking for, Norm? Wide receiver core. I'm, I'm, I'm rocking with the white team. All right. You got 19 receivers on this roster. More than half of them have experience in Coach Napier's system. Who has separated themselves? They like to play six on game day. Backup quarterback for me. The fact that he brought up Woolrich and Chandler Fields. One of those two guys will probably leave tonight, and they will have the leg up at number two. One of those guys. One of those guys. Now we like we say the heir apparent to the Cajuns coming up. Maybe. Depends how good they are. You can always go out and one of the two. I mean, they had what? Two transfers from Maryland and, and then Woolridge from Fresno State. So just because uh, I won't go as far as you and say the definitive heir apparent. Well, I can say one of the backup quarterbacks is the heir apparent. Could be the heir apparent may not be on this roster, Norm. Or he could be. So I could, could say be. That. I could he say could that. be. No, but you said the. I'm just saying I, I don't know. The heir apparent of the Raging Cajuns could be playing could, today. Could. There it is. <laughs> no, you didn't. You I said did. the heir apparent. Could. Could. I said after. We had to end on a, on a sour note. <laughs> Could be semantics. He has PN fourteen twenty. Steve Pelican is next. Catch Norm this afternoon, three o'clock with Lynn. Looking forward to that. What are you going to grow him about today? Today, uh, we 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 talking. We well, we prepping for the Cajun game. We prepping, so there's not too much grilling. You know, Pelican's a, a poo, so he he, he hasn't uh, too much to argue about. All right, don't go anywhere. Steve's next with Beyond the Game. ESPN fourteen twenty.